from Forth. This is So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Today, we will be talking with Cam, who is a project architect, but also a musician, which is really fun, and we'll get to hear a little bit of both. But today, he works in the commercial construction and design industry, and he is actually based in Australia. Cam also enjoys making and producing music, and that is kind of his first love. So today, Cam and I talk about his decision to pursue both at the same time, what he believes is the key to success in any role, and his one piece of advice for any young professional or college graduate. I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of So What Do You Do? We have Cameron with us today. And before I even jump in, I'm actually going to flip the mic to Cameron because we truthfully just got to know each other and I want him to give you guys an idea of what he does. So let us know. All right, cool. So I work full-time in Melbourne, Australia, um, working for a builder and sort of within a design firm as well. So, Awesome. So builder, here we could equate that to not necessarily real estate, but think along the lines of construction, building construction. And from what you've told me, you're kind of a single firm. You're not a national company per se, correct? Yeah, so we've got one main director and we all basically work closely with the main director. Awesome. So, I mean, he tries to be as hands-off as possible, but he gets very involved. Awesome. So what would you say your role is or your job title at that company? At the moment, I'd say I'm project architect and construction, uh, sorry, contract administrator. Perfect, On the construction side. So, I mean, we do everything from the design through, uh, I'm not sure what your town planning would be called, but taking it to the local councils. Sure, sure, Um, zoning and planning, yeah. Yeah. And then we go through to the construction side as well. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm trying to basically turn that into a construction project manager. Okay. Who manages the whole process and make sure it all gets built right. Gotcha. So it sounds like you've got some autonomy in your job. So when you started at your company, and we're going to talk about your background in school and all of that, but when you started at your company, what was the job description that you like applied for or got hired for, I guess I should say? So it was a weird little start. So I never really applied for a job. Mm -hmm. It was somebody recommended you catch up for a coffee with this person. And I didn't know the person was the director of the company. But we got along, we, it was just an easy conversation being ourselves. And I was like, this, this guy's cool. And I obviously thought the same. Yeah. But it really started off as, uh, I was very inexperienced. Um, it still more started off as me saying I could make him some promotional videos. Because oh, I've okay. done some video stuff in the past. And yeah, I just wanted to sort of get my foot in the door anyway. So I said, yes, I can deliver that. Even if I wasn't sure if I could. But I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just turned into a little bit of design work and then I can tell you it was trash. Whatever I gave them was pretty bad, but <laughs> Why they do said, you say that? I just know now, knowing now, knowing what I know now, sure. uh, wherever I started was not where I should have been at the very start, okay. but they t- more took a good attitude and they let me carry on. Awesome. Because of a better attitude than skill at that point in time. So tell us a little bit, you said... You didn't apply for the job. Mm-hmm. You 
got coffee with a, a friend or an, a connection. Someone yeah. connected you with them get, and you got hired for something else, which you mentioned videos yeah. and more creative work. Um, tell us your background getting to this point. Okay. So I finished high school in 2009. Uh, so I'm 28 now. It's 2019 mm-hmm. for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, I went and studied architecture at a university in Melbourne and I did two years of that. And it's a three-year course. Then I actually left, wasn't sure that I wanted to do that, and I went and studied music for three years. And I really wanted to follow that as a, uh, yeah, I realised it was my main passion. Yeah. I needed to follow that. Finished that. Got to the end, you're a little bit older and, you know, wiser. Mm-hmm. And so then I sort of realised what I wanted to do in music was create my own music and produce my own music and not so much work an office related Mm -hmm. music side of things so I said I'll give myself another year I'll go back and finish my architecture and I'll work on some music not on the side but quite strongly yeah so that's sort of where I finish studying so I finished that degree and then yeah I sort of this connection just sort of came about they said catch up for a coffee and yeah I just said yes why not because otherwise I'd be working in a bottle shop Sure. Or a liquor store or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so yeah. I said it's going to be better for my career. Not that it's a better job, but it's a better for my career. Sure. Um, yeah, just to have a crack and see what they say. And yeah. Yeah, we got along. I think a lot of people get stuck in this, oh, but I have this passion. But I think sometimes, to, to your point, you decided doing my own music is going to be more beneficial to you. Mm. So with that, you can pursue another career along the side and see which one gains steam, see which one you enjoy more. Like Things can change. And from what it sounds like to me, at least just getting to know you briefly, you enjoy the work that you do at the building company. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, even more so in the last six months. I've really, because my role has changed over the last six yeah. months. I, I love it. Like, I'm happy to say it. And that's good because it yeah. means that going to work, I don't think about the money side. I don't think about any of that. It's more I go there with a passion to get the building finished and sure. finished well. Okay, I, that's, that's It was interesting so what you said, though, about like the which to follow the passion and they're sort of both climbing a ladder as you get older or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's always been a different, like a pull to go to the music and then a pull to go like better my career in the architecture design and mm-hmm. construction side of things. But yeah, when you realize that you can do them both at the same time, you just need to learn when to dedicate time to one thing and when to dedicate time to the other. I love that. Yeah. So that's, a ch- it's always a struggle and a challenge, but I've always been of the opinion that whoever tells you that you only have to focus on one thing is completely wrong. I love that. And yeah. I echo that. And I, I do tell my students that because I think they think, oh, I don't want to pursue art or I don't want to pursue music because that's not stable. Well, that may or may not be true, but that doesn't mean that you just have to drop it completely. You can always, and I love that you say, you figure out the timing of when to push on mm. certain things, um, when it makes sense in different seasons of your life. You know, if you have a busy season in work, you may not be able to focus on your music as much for whatever reason, but that's okay. You wait until it slows down in the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, now we transition into kind of the second part of this podcast. Some questions we've gotten from listeners are, walk me through an average day, you know, by percentage, break up your day of what it may look like, um, et cetera. So I'll let you take it. Cool. So I guess uh, on an average day, it will change every day uh, because... 
because I got a varied role, I mean, at the start of the project or prior to the project, at least the one I'm building at the moment or helping to build, mm-hmm. I'm not actually on the tools, I'm more office-based, mm-hmm. uh, but on-site at the same time. Uh, I did all the drawing for the building, so all the construction drawings. So that was every day was just punching out, drawing after drawing, working on it, making sure everything coordinated properly. And really, I sort of said to my, my bosses at the time, like, leave this one with me and let me prove to you that I can do the whole thing and I don't need much help. Mm-hmm. You're obviously always going to need help. Yeah. But it, that was the start of the project for me, was okay. just finishing the drawings package, which is like, like say, 70 pages of drawings. Wow. And those are technical drawings. Yeah, like, all technical. Yeah. So yep. the planning had already been done years prior. So it finally got through planning and then we were uh, contracted to do the build. Okay. But there was no good enough drawings to build it properly. So we had to draw them. But we actually drew them as we were digging out the basement. So uh, there, was time, there was time pressure on me to get it done. Wow. Um, but it's working out well. We should be finishing it in about a month, the whole build. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, I guess it sort of transitioned from that into monitoring the build. And then um, in the last six months, I've sort of gone on site full-time yeah and now a normal day I think that was the question yeah absolutely yeah a normal day would be like get there check emails or like like everybody else yep (laughs) so we've got an office in the basement okay Um, so we'll check emails I will check emails and then as soon as I get to site I'm bombarded by every single contractor that we've put on for example our plasterers our carpentry guys and you just get bombarded for a couple of hours because they've all got a thousand questions that they could probably have figured out themselves. But right. because they've got the project architect there, they just want to get the answer easy. Right. So you get a lot of those questions. So it's sort of guiding people through how to find the answers themselves. Yeah. And also providing them the answer because you don't want to get it wrong. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of being the expert on the job when it comes to the designer, the, yeah. the technical specs, but also to your point, helping your team learn to figure out it on their, their own essentially, yeah. right? It's pretty much just reminding them, hey, all this information's in the drawings. Sure. But um, I understand there are a few questions that need to get answered, but most of everything you can do is in the drawings, but you can't say that in a mean way. Otherwise, yeah. you're not working together. Yeah. And so you're on site all day. All day. Yeah. Okay. Because so, you said your office is in the basement. Yeah. And so, okay. For for other builders, yeah. would that environment look similar? Like, let's say someone in America it goes to a builder. Would they, too, be able to be on site, or does it depend? I think a lot of project architects are more off-site. Um, they are very involved in the project, but I think they're more office-based. Mm-hmm. But it honestly completely depends on how your company views that role. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was, when I first started like looking after the project from a drawings and design perspective, I was on site. Okay. I mean, sorry, I was in the office. Oh, okay. But it's only when I became even more involved in the project from a financial budgeting and uh, projecting perspective, that's right. when it was like, okay, you're not going to do anything else for this company except finish this building and try and get it done on time, on budget. Right. The best way to do that is to sit with all the trades all day and discuss things with them and yeah. figure it all out. So. so once you got more ownership, it sounds, that was when the decision to have you there full time yeah. really was made. 
Yeah. Cool. Exactly. I love that. So what's your favorite thing about your job? It is honestly the favorite thing would have to be um, watching your design come together uh, or like the way you've drawn it come together well and being able when you're doing all your projecting of the budgets and all that side of thing, when your coordination work, coordination works. So that's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. And then also watching it go up. Yeah. And when, when a section goes up without a problem. Sure. Because there's always going to be problems. <laughs> no one's perfect. Yep. And, you know, humans. So mm-hmm. when it goes up well and without a hitch, you're just like, that was a good day. I so, love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also like the people a lot because in the office, I was sort of more surrounded by like the older age group. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I came in, I'm probably more the younger, which means... When I get on site, everyone's sort of around my age and it's exciting. Sure. Um, and everyone gets along as opposed to the whole director, next person down is 20 years younger kind of yeah. thing. It's not, I'm not sure how common it is because, uh, but I was probably one of the younger people yeah. in the office. If you can find that culture in your work where it's a young culture when you're young as well, it's not a bad thing to want young people totally. to work around you. If you can feel the culture is probably the most important thing. I do think that that's something you should maybe pay attention to, especially when you're interviewing. You know, just take a look around of who's in your office. Mm. Ask them a question like, "Who who am I going to be working close most closely with every day?" and stuff like that. So, um, I love that, and I don't think that's something people necessarily think of no. when they're looking for a job. So. Culture is huge. Yeah, I had to ask all those stupid questions to my bosses. So right, like, I'd always start <laughs> off with like. I hate to sound like an idiot, but <laughs> but I've got to ask you a really dumb question, and please don't judge me for asking you this question. Right? Because there's no one else to ask. Like because we were a smaller office, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was like, what choice do you have except to ask the stupid questions to the people? Right. Some of the pressures are if you've done something drawing wrong, it's got big fine because building's expensive. Like for example, the building we're doing at the moment is probably worth. I'm just trying to think in American dollars. Six and a half million. Wow. Or ish. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in a block of apartments. Wow. So if I make a mistake, it can cost a hundred thousand. Oh, easily. Or it can cost like that sort of thing. So yeah, you do worry uh, a little bit, but you've also got to have. I have the confidence um, that I think I've done it right. Sure. Not that I know, but I feel like if something popped up, it's going to be small and it can be resolved. Yeah. Because the overall structure is okay and no one's unsafe or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, right. everyone's, as long as it's got four walls around it, it how bad can it possibly be? <laughs> right. uh, luckily in construction, that not everything's extremely accurate because right. it's humans screwing things into things. So you can always put something else on top to level things up if it's a little bit wrong. I mm. hear you say that. I'm like, oh, see, I would have no idea that like they'll, there's going to be human error. There's plenty of things that have happened that uh, didn't go to plan. Really? But like, yeah, like walls not put in the right place. But if you put it there, you can always take it away and yeah. put the new one back. This is interesting. I'm like, my mind is blown because this is such an interesting and different industry that I'm used to hearing about or just being involved in at all um one question that we get a lot was what types of emails are you typically dealing with um so I guess like back to where like my role sort of thing helps to figure out what sort of emails I get so I get design related emails uh contractors asking is this the right way to do it 
The next email will be internal emails, so from our accounts department, because I look after the financial side of the building as well. Gotcha. So it's a, a lot of emails from the finance side of it, um, a lot of invoicing, so lots lots of invoices, okay. especially at the end of each month. It's just like a day where it just streams in, and I've got the next, say, two weeks to figure it all out if everyone's got it right. Um, yeah. So, oh, emails. Yeah, lots of internal emails mm-hmm. from site from my director passing things on design contractors yeah there's and project managers as well from our clients because yeah we've got clients that have got many buildings in the pipeline so they've got their own project management team and it's a lot of emails to and fro from those guys that's what i was about to ask is you say a lot of internal emails which i definitely could see and i'm sure you've got plenty but i was just about to ask that question is do you have what I like to call client emails? But yes. that could mean any client. It, every industry has clients, right? So for you, you mentioned your clients could be the project managers for yeah. various buildings, checking in to see how the progress is going, I'm assuming, or when yeah. the plans... Yeah, well, they're, they're also pretty involved. So okay. like the project, manage, project manager style emails is either directly to our client because they're quite hands-on for the current building. Okay. So we can get approvals within like an hour or something if something needs to change or gotcha. we're going to put this type of sink in. It's not exactly what was specified. It's all those kind of emails and making sure the most important thing I've learned is to make sure you've got approval for everything that counts. Sure. So small things, no stress, make your own call about it. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that you can look at and you can say, that's not exactly right. You need to make sure you got it all ticked off. Right. Um, Because there's a lot of leeway in delivering a building that was sold before it was built. Okay. Um, Yeah. Interesting. A lot of those emails and then, yeah, it's all, power companies and all this all stuff that's actually not very interesting it's probably my least not my least favorite part but it's not as enjoyable as you know walking up and down the building and sure talking to everyone and making sure everything's going well what is your least favorite thing about your job my least favorite thing is probably when communication breaks down Mm -hmm. and um because you know you've got a hundred guys or let's say an average of 50 guys on a average day across a building sure um when communication breaks down between the different contractors that are doing different things like tiling plastering they all need to work together okay yet for some reason sometimes they all think that it has to go through the site management team Mm. whereas they can actually talk to each other and my least favorite part is when they're all sort of doing a bit of bickering sure and you've got to come in and sort of understand that guys, everyone just relax. We can get it all done. Yeah. Um, and it's when they sort of have a bit of a moan. That's my least favorite Like part. a disagreement yeah, or Yeah, it's when complaint. disagreements yeah. take place. Yeah. And coordination falls over. Yeah. So when everything's coordinated and everything, everyone's happy, it's smooth. So when it becomes unsmooth, my least favorite part. Sure. But I like the problem resolution part of it. So it's, it's a weird one. I don't like the start, but I like the end where it's the problem's resolved, everyone's happy, you walk away. Being able to connect with the people where they know that you control the finances, you control the design. So in the end, really, they've got to make sure they're building it to your and your other site team's approval. Mm-hmm. But it's trying to remove that element of um, I'm actually controlling what you're doing mm-hmm. and letting them feel, which is actually the case, that they are building the building for you. Right, and, right. Um, I think a lot of 
people, and I'm not saying I've seen it because I haven't had a world of experience, but from what they these contractors tell me is that the way I approach dealing with them is not, hey, you work for me, get this done right now. Mm-hmm. If you don't get it done, we're going to do something. Like It's more what can we all do just to make it all happen because at the end of the day, if we don't all get this building done, we're all screwed. Yeah. So not like we're not going to fall off a cliff or whatever, but yeah, everyone wants to satisfy somebody if you're working for somebody. Right. So it's working together and wanting to bring like a good positive attitude mm-hmm. and more like a calm attitude. Yeah. Um, but also just being yourself, not trying to be too strict or professional. Yeah. And I found it's really connected over my whole, like I've probably worked for, in this job for three years and to start from making videos to sort of running a site financially and design wise in three years, I realized a lot of it was just basically if I don't treat my director like this big scary dude or girl, a woman, Mm -hmm. then they're not, because really it's just like a person's a person. Mm -hmm. Don't stress out if they're important or whatever, like celebrities couldn't care less. Right. I don't know leaders couldn't care less like because in the end if you actually talk to them they're just like people they don't want to have some special conversation that they've had a thousand times so Mm -hmm. you just talk to them like real people and then you realize you actually you either get along with them or you don't fortunately I got along with my director when I'm real yeah it's not I'm not kissing his toes yeah it's just being real and telling him when he I feel like he's wrong him telling me when he thinks I'm wrong and I'm not taking it as an insult it's like well if I'm wrong I'm wrong but if we can do it better then let's do it. So yeah, that attitude of being not casual, but honest. Yeah. And um, yeah, not highly strung. Yeah. And I, I found exactly what you just said, treating a person as a person, right? Regardless. Mm. And I think that that goes up the ladder or down the ladder. You know, when people on your site see you talking to them the same way that you talk to your boss or your director or their boss's boss, that doesn't just make you an attractive employee to your boss, but I also think it creates trust with the people that report to you because they know that you have respect for everyone on Mm. your team regardless of position and title. Um, And I love that. And I, I think it is easier said than done because I think our natural inclination is to say, oh my gosh, this person did this. I have or, to respect this person yeah. no matter what decisions or bad decisions they're making or the right. way they're treating others. If it's bad, it's, if you might not let them know. Right. If, if you feel like you're the boss of that person, you might say, hey, I don't like the way you're treating that, but a lot of people get scared with their bosses yeah. to do it. But my, I don't know if it's a smart recommendation, but just be real with them. I think it's absolutely a smart yeah. recommendation. And I also think piggybacking off of that con concept and Mm. um, piece of advice another piece of advice I would add to that from all my students and entry level and new professionals listening is it's really easy to be a yes man at the beginning because you just assume that everyone knows much more than you and although they may know the ins and outs of the business because they've just done it longer that doesn't mean that they know everything and you know nothing and I think it's really easy for students to just get into the meeting, take notes, never raise their hand, never question someone's a statement, opinion, piece of knowledge, and just assume that it's Bible, that it's correct. 
And in fact, that actually shows poorly, I think, on that new hire because they hired that person for value sake, right? And if you're not bringing it, right? If you're not raising your hand and saying, excuse me, I don't know, are you sure that's right? Or what about, have you thought about doing it this way? Or, you know, in my experience, I've actually seen this happen, you know, whatever. Bring your own thoughts to the table. I think that is super valuable and students are afraid to do it. And I shouldn't say students, new anyone. professionals, anyone. They're not People afraid, that have been in the industry for 30 years are scared to do yeah. it. But you see them, that you see them at the tail end of their career and you see that they're broken. Mm-hmm. They've been broken mm-hmm. because they never stood up for what they actually, and I've seen it in even the company I work for. Yeah. I've seen the older generation of worker just defeated Mm -hmm. and it's because you can tell that they're just a yes they just always said yes and they've and this is one example so yeah but you can just see that even if you know they've got their opinion just at the tip of their tongue yeah they always swallow it because whoever's got a stronger opinion they'll just say yes i'll do that yep they can have a very valid point and it's the same person who's been there for six months yeah yeah in the first couple months be a yes person because you're learning. If you feel like you can learn, 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 say yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. But if you feel the urge that you're like, that's not something that I agree with. Right. Do it respectfully. And right. say, you know what? That's cool. I understand your super experience, but have you considered this? Yep. And it's a respectful way to say, I don't think you're wrong, but here's my opinion. And you're exactly what you said is right. Like you're employed to bring value. And you'll only benefit if you naturally want to bring that value. So what I'm trying to say, you'll only, yeah, you'll only be good for that company and the why they reason they brought you in if you actually speak up. 1000%. Otherwise you may as well stay in the same job forever. Yeah. And they may never tell you, Hey, speak up or Hey, raise your hand. They want you to, but they want you to. And, and they'll wonder if you just don't have any ideas because that that, I've seen that firsthand and I've seen it with peers. I've seen it with coworkers the assumption is, oh, they're not raising their hand. They don't have any value to add. And I know that that's not true for the large majority. It's just they're scared or they don't, they don't feel like, they feel like the louder voice is correct. Yeah. And that's, that's not always true. They um, also like that person who's probably that louder voice doesn't want to always provide an answer. Mm-hmm. They would love to see somebody who's working under them or for them, with them to take on the responsibility. and. Yep. By not saying anything, you're not taking on responsibility. By saying something, you're allowing that person to have an easier day at work, which means you're going to find yourself benefiting financially, career-wise, yep. so much more than people who don't speak up. 1,000%, yes. they're the people that get the promotions first, mm-hmm. the speaker, the, whoever speaks up. So if once you speak up the first couple of times and you realize it's not that bad, you'll do it every time. So where that goes to, like, after you bring up your own opinions... Is it so? I say within the three years or whatever I've been working for this company, they've gone hands off on the project now. So, like speaking directly with the client, having all the meetings, running all the meetings with the project managers, I haven't seen my director on site for three months. Mm-hmm. He, he pops in, he's busy, they're all busy. And he pops in, sees that it's still going along, and leaves. Yep. So, that's where you want it to get to. Right. And that's, yeah, like you're not going to get it without speaking up at the start. 
And like yes, and it's because they trust. trust. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's building that trust because they know that if the client says something that's incorrect or that needs to be yeah. rerouted, they trust that you're going to say it. And, and you've got the best intentions for the project. That's right, and for the company. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so this has been unbelievably chock full of knowledge. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to interview you. Now, transitioning into our final part, which mm-hmm. for my students, hopefully they're on the edge of their seat. <laughs> um, but our final segment here is how do I get there? Something for them to do now. Yeah. Is if you feel like you want, might want to do something, odds are that you don't exactly understand what the job is. It's mm-hmm. more the fantasy of the job mm-hmm. and you do have to do slog work. Like you got to slog it out. But if you're not afraid to talk to somebody, because they're never afraid, no one's ever afraid to talk about themselves. So if you ask them questions about themselves, which is kind of what you're doing, right? Uh, no one's afraid to let you know what their life is like in that career. So, and I didn't talk to people when I was younger, and you know, you wish you did, because mm-hmm. I would have learned a lot more um, right. instead of saying I'm going to study that and I'll go in blind and do whatever. Yeah. It's cool now, but like I didn't always feel comfortable with what was happening. Yeah. So call people that you might know. Rely on your parents' friends. Like rely on your friends' parents. So it's just do whatever. If you heard somebody works that and you know that, get them to get the phone number. And you'll be scared of that phone call for the first 10 seconds and you'll realize it's just a person on the other end of the line. Exactly. And they're all people who are older are always willing to help people who are younger if it just means a conversation or a coffee or whatever. The, the world is your oyster in terms of opportunities to call someone and reach out and go to coffee. And that's my number one preach point. And a lot of students don't do it, which is why this podcast was created to yeah. help students understand that I don't know anything about what you do when I sit down to have this conversation. And I'm just asking you natural questions that come to my mind because yeah. I'm curious. And so come into a conversation of curiosity and I do think that they will learn so, so much. So I think for your piece of advice, if this is interesting to you, his job, architecture, construction, building, etc., ask your parents, do you know anyone in construction, in building, in architecture, in project management, whatever? And I would bet most of them do or ask your friends if they're parents. So um, you can also use LinkedIn. I don't know how many of you have LinkedIn, but I also think LinkedIn is a great way to find those professionals as well. So with that, that concludes our conversation. But Cam, before we leave, do you want to tell people where they can find you? I love to make sure that people can follow you on your social channels, on your music channels, anything like that. Ooh, okay. So I don't tweet. Okay. But my Instagram is going to change musically. Okay. I don't really have a personal Instagram. It's more music. Great. Well, if you'd rather wait until yeah. it's live and then I'll, I will link it. Good call. Because this will, pro- it will probably be live by the time this goes live. Sweet. So let's hold off on it. We'll then. hold off on it, but check the show notes, folks, because you will see it. Well, thanks again, Cam, for being here. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Cheers. From Fourth, this is So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and 
learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five.